0: Today I'd like to welcome to the POD MD Studio Dr David Lamb. David is a colorectal and general surgeon based in Melbourne. He's passionate about all areas of both colorectal and general surgery, but has particular expertise in colorectal pelvic floor disorders. David completed his medical degree with honours at the University of Melbourne in 2007 and qualified as a general surgeon in 2016. He subsequently completed four years of colorectal surgery subspecialty training, three in Australia and one in Oxford, United Kingdom. Whilst at Oxford, he worked in the internationally renowned Pelvic Floor Unit. David holds appointments in colorectal surgery at Austin Health, pelvic floor surgery at the Women's Hospital Melbourne, and general surgery at Eastern Health. His private practice is based in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of rectal prolapse. We do hope you enjoy this podcast, but please remember that the advice here is of a general nature and is not intended as specific advice about a given patient. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the doctor, not PodMD. If you do have a patient on whom you require specific advice, please seek advice from a colleague with expertise in that area. David, thanks so much for talking with us on PodMD today. Thank you for having me. So the topic of today's discussion is rectal prolapse. David, can you describe for our listeners what rectal prolapse is?
1: Yeah, so rectal prolapse is, I would say, an uncommon condition. Um, It's a protrusion of the rectum outside of the anal canal. So there's some pelvic floor muscles that support the rectum. uh, And when these become weak, uh, the rectum then telescopes out uh, and turns in on itself. Um, This is a condition that's more common uh, in older females, uh, but can occur at any age. So rectal prolapse can be classified further into external rectal prolapse when you can actually see the rectum protruding and also internal rectal prolapse. Where the rectum has started to telescope, but it hasn't actually gone outside of the anal canal.
0: I see. So how would a patient with rectal prolapse typically present? So the more common presentation is
1: with external rectal prolapse, and obviously that they present with a lump at their back passage. And often this lump starts with um, when they strain, when they use their bowels. but eventually it can occur anytime, uh, for example, whilst they're walking or where they're exercising. At the extreme end, it can be permanently protruding um, or it can actually uh, uh, come out acutely uh, and not be able to be reduced. um, And that uh, can lead to um, an emergency presentation. Along with the lump at the back passage, there's associated symptoms as well of mucus discharge uh, or passive fecal loss uh, or bleeding um, from the irritation. We mentioned before about internal rectal prolapse and these patients don't necessarily see or feel a physical lump at their back passage, although they may feel some heavy sensation. Uh, instead, what they have is obstructed defecation symptoms. And what these are is that their stools might feel blocked or they're difficult to pass their stools, they might have to strain excessively to, de- to defecate, um, or they may be able to un- unable to keep themselves uh, to wipe clean
0: uh, after they've um, used their bowels. So if a patient says they have a lump at the back passage, how can you tell whether it's rectal prolapse or hemorrhoids? That's a great question.
1: Um, Hemorrhoids, which are protrusion of vascular cushions in the upper anal canal, are indeed more common um, than rectal prolapse. Um, When I see a patient, um, often they've actually taken some pictures um, of their lump, and that can be really helpful. Uh, Rectal prolapse classically is is a beefy red color. It's a single uh, entity, and it protrudes really from the middle of um, of the anus. Uh, this is um, in contrast to hemorrhoids, which are often more purplish in colors. Uh, they can be multiple, and they appear at the edges of the anus. On examination, um, what I think is the most helpful is to gently push uh, and insert a finger um, up between the lump that you can see and, and the anal canal edge. If the finger hits the base of the lump, then you know that it's a hemorrhoid, but if you can reach the finger all the way up beyond the anorectal junction, then that's rectal prolapse. So what are the treatment options available? With rectal prolapse, there's always conservative as well as surgical options. Um, The conservative options are really aimed at reducing straining because we know that straining um, produces the prolapse. Um, So approaches may be including um, altering the stool consistency to make the stools easier to pass and developing a good toileting routine. Uh, Surgical options aim to correct the anatomical uh, abnormality of rectal prolapse, and these classically involve abdominal or perineal approaches. So perineal approaches, which are through from the backside, uh, involve either stripping uh, the ex- excess lining of the rectum, which is prolapsing out, or resecting the excess rectum and joining that to the anal canal. Abdominal approaches, which are more invasive, um, would include either resecting um, the prolapsing rectum and then joining that to the low rectum, or hitching the rectum to the sacrum. We
0: call that a rectopexy. So have there been any developments in the treatments for rectal prolapse in the last few years? So I think um, the most common operation that we do now,
1: um, uh, certainly in the last 10 years, is what we call a ventral mesh rectopexy. And we typically do this laparoscopically, but more and more we're also doing this with robotic assistance. And as we mentioned before, the rectopexy is where we hitch the rectum to the sacrum and in a ventral mesh rectopexy we do this by the means of a mesh which is secured to the front of the rectum only. And why do we call it a ventral mesh rectopexy? Well, What we think is that uh, dissection at the back of the rectum can injure the hypogastric nerves and result in worsening constipation. Um, And hence this dissection um, that we do to put the mesh on involves um, dissecting the front of the rectum only. It's a very straightforward procedure um, with minimal complications. Um, It's well tolerated. Patients only need to often stay overnight um, and they have minimal pain uh, afterwards. So are there any concerns with using mesh for rectal prolapse? Yeah, so there has been a lot of um, recent controversy, especially with vaginal mesh um, for for vaginal prolapse. I think it's important to understand that when we use mesh for rectal prolapse, um, it's a different kettle of fish. The mesh that we place um, is in a sterile area uh, with an abdominal approach, um, and therefore there's much less complications in terms of erosion uh, and chronic pain. I think the overall mesh-related complications in uh, rectal prolapse have been shown to be 1% to 2%, um, as opposed to uh, vaginal mesh, which has a complication rate of up to 15%. However, um, patients may still be concerned uh, about the use of mesh. One emerging option is the use of biological mesh, which is absorbed by the body over time. Whatever mesh that's used, I think the choice of mesh is an individual decision that should be made in consultation with the patient, uh, and patients should be given written information as well as time uh, to make their decision. So what is the likelihood of recurrence of the condition? Recurrence rates are quite low uh, with ventral mesh rectopexy. Uh, long-term studies have shown that the recurrence rate is uh, less, well less than 10%. Um, and this is definitely less um, than the recurrence rate when we use a perineal approach. So do all patients with rectal prolapse need an operation? The short answer is no. Um, rectal prolapse is a benign condition. And so um, a discussion with the patient needs to be made um, as to what the symptoms are uh, and how much uh, it affects their quality of life. However, those patients with an external rectal prolapse, um, because it's a mechanical or anatomical problem, without an operation, this this lump won't resolve. Um, The other consideration is that with long-term rectal prolapse, where the the prolapse is out all the time, um, this will make uh, future episodes uh, of uh, faecal incontinence uh, more likely as the anus is constantly being stretched. For those patients with internal rectal prolapse, I think, uh, again, an individual discussion needs to be happen, have with the patient. Um, uh, the symptoms that often these patients have, which is of obstructed defecation, um, is often multifactorial. Um, there's a lot of uh, factors that go into um, defecation uh, and correcting their anatomy um, by fixing their prolapse may not necessarily restore their function completely. So, when should a GP refer a patient with rectal prolapse? I think anybody who feels or sees a lump at their pass- back passage um, should be referred. Um, as we mentioned before, it may be hemorrhoids, um, but rarely this could be an anal cancer or a rectal cancer. Uh, even if it is clinically obviously a rectal prolapse, I would recommend um, that all patients have their rectum uh, visualized with either a sigmoidoscopy or colonoscopy to ensure that the rectum is not being dragged down uh, because of a more proximal lesion like
0: cancer. Thanks so much for your time here today in the PodMD studio, David. To sum up for us, could you please identify the three key take-home messages from today's podcast on rectal prolapse? So the first thing to say is that whilst a lump at the back passage
1: is the most common presenting symptom of rectal prolapse, Uh, Not all patients with rectal prolapse present with a lump. Um, So I think for patients who have either fecal incontinence or difficulty with passing stools, uh, have rectal prolapse um, at the back of your mind. The second message is that rectal prolapse is different from hemorrhoids um, and you can actually tell them apart clinically. Um, The third message is that um, our modern treatment of rectal prolapse being a ventral mesh rectopexy is very effective Um, with minimal morbidity uh, and low recurrence rates.
0: Thanks again for your time today and the insights you provided, David. Thank you.